Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. This is episode 96 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this show, we're talking about student teacher rapport or being on their side. Welcome, wonderful teachers. Great to have you back again. Before we dive into this idea of student-teacher rapport, I want to give you a quick reminder about our 100th episode. There's just two weeks left, so you're only going to hear about this one more time after today. I would love to hear your lessons learned over the past year. If you go to colorfulkeys.ie slash 100, You can leave a message right there on the page. You just talk right into your computer or your phone. Or you can record a voice memo on your phone if it's easier and send that through to us. Just email us, reply to any one of our emails and it'll get through to us. Or send it to support at colorfulkeys.ie. We would absolutely love to hear your stories about your lessons and to maybe put them on the podcast for our 100th episode. So. Let's talk about this idea of rapport. This is so important and such a big factor in our lessons, more even than, I think, than classroom teachers, because we teach one-on-one or one-on-two or even one-on-four. In general, we teach in smaller groups or individually. And so the relationship we have with our students is so, so important to how we get on. We also teach students for a lot longer than most teachers get to. If things go well, a student will stay with us for years. Most teachers don't have that luxury. But letting students know that we're on their side, that we're part of the same team, is more than just declaring it. We need to show them, with how we communicate and with our actions, that we are genuinely on their side, that we're not some teacher up on high dictating to them about what they should or shouldn't do, that we're there to help them, because we are. That's the whole point. We're there to help them learn about music and become a lifelong musician and enjoy the process. What happens when they don't believe that we're on their side, and I'm not saying when you're not on their side, because you are, right? I know you have their best interests at heart, But if they don't know it, it's going to mean that they don't follow your directions in lessons a lot of the time. We see this a lot with the younger students, that they don't do what you ask them to do. 
And the reason usually that they don't do that is because that rapport isn't there. They don't believe that you're there to have fun with them, that you're there to help them. And so they don't follow what you set out for them to do, what you had planned for them. Another consequence of this is that they don't follow your directions at home. This is even more common. If they don't believe that you're on their side and that you're there to help them in, and really believe it, not just be able to say that or nod along as you, as you explain it, it's going to mean that they don't follow your practice directions at home, which leads to inefficient practice or, at the worst, no practice, right? They just don't do it. Now, there are many reasons for students not practicing or not practicing well, but this is absolutely one of them. If you don't have a good rapport with your students, they're not going to go home and do things in the way that you asked. They're going to be much more likely to do that if you have that good relationship. And one more consequence of students not believing that you're on their side or that you're on the same team, working towards a common goal, is that they'll quit. They'll decide that these lessons just weren't for them, that it wasn't what they expected, that it wasn't doing what they'd hoped it would, and so they'll quit. The magic of having rapport with your students means that they will follow your directions, they'll go with you, they'll try things that seem scary or unfamiliar or like they're veering away from their musical taste because they trust you and your judgment and they know that you're leading them somewhere fantastic that they want to go. It'll mean that they follow through with practice directions at home and they try out different strategies that seem counterintuitive but you know are going to work. And it will mean that they stay with you for the long term, which means they can get real results and turn into lifelong musicians. So I want to look at it building this rapport or this idea that you're on their side. And I want to look at it for four different ages, just to give you an example, because it is a bit different for different age groups, but it's just as important with everyone. And I think it's most often discounted or neglected with the youngest age group. Your preschoolers need to build rapport with you too. They need to know that you're there to have fun with them, that you're going to make this an enjoyable experience and that they can trust you to provide the right level of challenge. One great way to get this started with your youngest students is games. Now I use games with all my students for very many reasons but this is one of the most important reasons to do it with young students because when you start off with a game you can get to know each other through this familiar format where they know that they're safe within those parameters of the game, and that's vital. It's really extra important with transfer young students, and when I have a teacher in my studio who's going to be taking on a student who's learned with a previous teacher, we had to make a transition, for example, last year from one teacher to another, right? Because that teacher moved on, they were moving away, and so this teacher is taking on all these students, and some of them are only four years old, right? And they've had lessons with this previous teacher, they've built that relationship, and now they need to get to know a new teacher. And games are an absolutely fantastic way to do that. Another important factor here with your youngest student, with your four or five-year-old, is to make it easy. 
You need to structure the learning in a way where they know you'll provide the right level of challenge. That they know you're not going to throw them in at the deep end. Because if you do that, if you consistently provide the right level of challenge, they'll trust that they can do something if you say they can. But if you don't build up that that right level, that right challenge every single time, if they don't trust in that, they're not going to follow you when something seems too hard for them, when it feels too hard, even if you know it isn't. They're not going to go with it. They're going to resist because they think they're going to fail. And the third important factor here with our youngest students is to provide routine. Routine, routine, routine. I say this all the time when I talk about teaching preschoolers, but it deserves repeating again and again. Give them a predictable environment with a routine that they can trust is going to happen. Whether that is a routine that changes, but that they can follow with visual guidelines, or it's just that you stick with the same pattern every week, they need that to feel comfortable, to feel safe, and to feel like they understand the parameters of the lessons and can trust you. It's so, so important to establish that routine within the lesson and for their practice. Now, when you get to older students, the routine is not quite as vital. Depends on the kid, but generally, if we're talking about an older student, that's not the most important factor. Once you get up to, say, a nine or ten year old, your relationship needs to be established based on their personality. So, one of the important factors here is to notice details and follow up. This is something I have to tell myself again and again. And it's not because I don't notice the details and it's not because I don't remember to follow up. It's because we can get so swept up with our agenda for the lesson that we neglect this sometimes. Just that little check-in at the start of the lesson to say, oh, hey, I remember you had a badminton match on this week. How did that go? Or did you get onto that debate team that you'd been trying out for? Or how was your granny's birthday party? Remember some detail about their life and check in with it. Or if it isn't an event, check in with them about something you know they love. A hobby they have. A style of film that you know they like. If you know your student is obsessed with ballet dancers and there's a film that just came out about ballet, ask them if they've seen it. You don't need to go into some lengthy discussion here or become your student's best friend but you need to show them that you see them as an individual and you care about what they care about. You also need to show them that you care about their musical tastes. At this age, this will vary greatly. Some 9 or 10-year-olds are also already really into pop music or whatever style of music and really have a musical identity that's very important to them. Some 9 or 10-year-olds aren't there yet. They just the radio's on in the background, they don't particularly notice what's popular, that's fine. Wherever your student is at, make sure that you're checking in with them regularly. Ask them if is there anything that they're listening to at the moment. If there is, see if you can teach a little bit of it to them. And if there isn't, for the moment, if they say, oh, I don't really, I just listen to whatever's on in the car or around the house, that's fine. Make sure that you ask about their musical tastes later as well. Check in with this every few weeks or so, because at some point, 
generally around age 10, 11, 12, they'll hit a moment when they start really caring about this stuff, when their friends have certain things they think are cool or not cool. And if you've made a habit of checking in with them about that, of finding out what they're listening to at the moment, it'll mean that they're much more open with you about what they like. Because when you don't check in with them regularly, they can get the sense that piano lessons are for one kind of music and outside music is this other kind. And we need the two to blend together. We need them to see that the music they listen to is something we see as valid and that they can sometimes or regularly learn some of that music in their piano lesson. Another great way to build rapport is to experiment with different forms of group lessons. Now this might sound counterintuitive because I'm talking about building student-teacher rapport and then I'm saying, well, a great way to do that is include another student. But actually you can vibe a lot better with two students and you can build up a different kind of relationship. So I find that in my buddy lessons is when I really develop a great relationship, especially in this age range, the like 8 to 12 year olds. They do really well in that buddy lesson time and we get to know each other a lot better. It also helps that we're spending more time together than we would be if we just had private lessons, most likely. But that extra relationship factor helps with this age range and with bringing them out of their shell and getting to know them. Okay, what about teens then? How do we build this up with teens? Because teens can be so closed off. So if you have a teen that's a transfer or a beginner coming to you as a teen, I want to encourage you to get involved with their goals straight away. Find out what their goals are for lessons. Why are they taking lessons? And if it's an, I don't know, I just thought it would be cool, that's fine. Same comment though about the musical taste of the younger students. Keep checking in on this because it might change or they might just open up and they actually had a goal all along. It might be to learn for Elise. It might be to play in a band. But if they have that goal and they're hiding it from you, you keep checking in with it they might come out of their shell and they might let you know about it. And if they don't have a goal at the start, one might develop as you go through, as they hear other kids around them playing certain things or doing certain musical things, a goal might crop up for them. So make sure to check in with that regularly. And if they do tell you about a goal, relate things back to that goal as much as you can. So yeah, if they want to learn the original version of Furlease and they're a beginner, they're not going to do that straight away. But you should let them know that you have that in mind as you work through stuff. They won't be able to see that what you're teaching them is going to prepare them for that goal. So let them know about the stepping stones along the way. Let them know how far they are away from something that they've let you know that they want to do, right? And the other thing with teens that is really important is to just be straight with them. Be direct. You know, don't dodge around issues. Don't pretend that reading isn't going to be hard to learn. Don't gloss over things or try to sugarcoat things. They know what's up. They know when you're hiding stuff. And if you're not direct with them, there's a very good chance they won't stick with you because they need to know what's going on. They need to know that you can treat them as a grown-up or an adult to the best of your ability. Yes, not in every area, but in a lot of areas, they actually can take it. They can understand that you need to balance this and that, 
And if you're just direct about it, let them know that it is working towards what they want to work towards, but that you also need to teach them X, Y, Z because you want them to be able to read music so that they can do all the things that they want to do, they're going to be much more open to that and they're going to follow through on that stuff at home as well. The last age group I want to talk about is adults. So adults have some of the same factors as teens. The first one is to make sure that you know their goals and that you are checking in with those regularly. Some adults will just want some kind of musical experience and they don't know and they want you to lead the way and some have a very specific goal in mind. But same with teens, just keep checking in with that and make sure that you know where they want to be going. Another important factor with adults though is to validate their feelings and in particular validate their feelings before they even voice them. So when something is going to be frustrating, when practice is going to be hard to stick to, when a particular strategy is going to feel one way or another way, be straight about it. Let them know. Acknowledge when things are hard and just say that you understand it, that it's the same for everyone, that they're not unique, they're not a snowflake. This is happening for everyone else too. Yes, it is hard. Yes, it feels like this right now. But on the other side, it will feel like that. Validate how they're feeling right now and the work that they're putting in. You don't have to go over the top. You know, it's very hard to praise adult students sometimes because we don't want to be like, oh, good job. Well done. Right? And sound cheesy and like we're treating them like a kid. And we don't have to do that. But we do have to acknowledge when they've put in effort that it was difficult, and that they have gotten somewhere. Let them know that you see what's going on, that it's normal, that it's part of the process, and that what they're going through is real. Okay, so do you think that students know, or students feel, like you're on their side? I'd love to know what you think about this topic. Share it with us over in the Facebook group, VMT Clubhouse for members, or Vibrant Music Studio Teachers if you're not a member yet. Tell me about your experience with developing relationships with students. Is there a particular age range that you struggle with? Is there one of the tips that I mentioned today that you think, oh yeah, I'm really not doing that? Let me know your thoughts over there. And before I let you go, I want to let you know about a webinar we have coming up. So it's on the 20th of May. I'm really looking forward to it. It's about choosing relevant repertoire for your students. So it's very much related to this idea of building rapport and goals, particularly for your teens and adults. I'd love it if you could join me. Just go to colorfulkeys.ie slash relevant to sign up for that. And I'd love to see you there. That's it for this week. Bye for now. There's still time to book your ticket to the Music Teacher Turbo Boost. This is going to be a two-day seminar with creative and innovative teachers in Dublin in Ireland on August 27th and 28th. So if you can make it over here at the end of August, we would love to see you there. Go to teacherturboboost.com to book your ticket today.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.